2: Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.
1: From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner, your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azov and Stefan Rosner.
0: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of The Back Check. Brendan and Stefan here, as always, The Back Check on Belly Up Sports and on Unhinged Radio every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. This is an exciting episode because we're bringing back segments. We are going to start to you know incorporate some segments into the show we got some fancy names coming with some fancy sponsors which we'll introduce next week but for right now we're going to get into the twenty dollar beer segment which is the new york rangers segment on the show we'll get into why we're calling it twenty dollar beers at some point in the near future likely next week but stefan how you doing today buddy it's we got we got a se- segments. We got episode three of season two. It's an exciting time for the backjack here.
2: We also got some really good hockey team in the NHL, like the San Jose Sharks and the Buffalo Sabers. I was just you know I spoke with Kobe um, Guy, our guest for this episode of Florida Hockey Now. Great job, great contributor and credentialed, plus a Long Island native. And we were just we were just talking about you know he, he quickly said something about the Bruins how they ended the undefeated streaks of the Sharks of the Sabers, and I said what a crazy time in the NHL right now you yeah. just nonchalantly talked about the sharks and the sabers and there was no negative connotation besides them losing after being undefeated. So it's crazy what has gone on to start the NHL season. I mean, Tampa's not been great. You got teams like Buffalo like doing well, Florida's 6 and 0. Rangers and Islanders right now both have goaltenders that are playing incredible. I know the Rangers suffered a loss, I apologize yeah. to you, Brendan, but we got New York goaltenders. Even Craig Anderson's going off too. So, I mean, New York goaltending right now is insane. Yeah,
0: New York goaltending is playing superb outside of Alexander Georgiev. Um, but It doesn't count. Everyone everyone is optimistic right now in New York for the first time, even though Rangers fans actually are not. They're always pessimistic. But there are things to be excited about. The Rangers' most recent performance had nothing to be excited about. Uh, they got schlacked 5-1. And listen, when they lose, they lose bad, right? They're 4-2-1. and Both the regulation losses are 5-1 losses. So... If they're going to get it out of their system, you might as well do it in those games. So we'll see how they bounce back. They have three days off, and then they're at home against Columbus on Friday. So 1-1 at home. Uh, Not the ideal start, but they are 4-1 on the road. It makes up for it a little bit. Maybe they're a better road team than home team this season. We've seen that a lot, you know, where teams kind of flip-flop.
2: How many games have they played?
0: Well, they played seven.
2: There's seven games in. And you're already talking about how they're road warriors and not. Home. I, mean, I didn't could... say that.
0: I said maybe they will be a better road team than home maybe. team this maybe season. Maybe they'll
2: be. Bo- maybe they'll be good at both and they'll make the playoffs with flying they, colors.
0: They got to start scoring. Artemi Panarin looks like garbage. Yeah, Mika Zibanejad looks like garbage. Alexei Lafreniere looks like garbage. Yet they're four, two, and one. So we'll, well, it's optimistic and pessimistic at the same time. Capo Kako's coming back uh, probably on Friday. Even though I have no faith that he'll contribute to anything. Uh, I have a very sad feeling in my gut that we're watching two Alexander Daigles, but that's something that will be determined over the course of their careers, not in the second season. But Alexei Lafreniere shows me no signs that he has any ability to beat anybody one-on-one, which is not what you want to see your first overall pick uh, do. He takes the puck and he looks to pass or dump it in. The majority of his goals, the only one I can remember that was an actual Self-created goal was a shot against the Devils in a blowout game, but the rest of them are pretty much just tapping, finishing his chances. So maybe that's the type of player he is, where he just got to drive the net, but not so when really. This, what he... uh,
2: when does he get shipped to Tampa? Uh,
0: I don't know. Uh, Tampa after
2: after they get the, given the C, of course. Now it's Carolina.
0: Years, oh, Alexei Lafreniere will never be the Rangers captain. You can <laughs> bookmark that right now. Capo uh, Kako is another kid that has shown the ability with the puck, but has shown the ability that he doesn't know what to do once he has it. He, he's like, kind of like Matt Barzal minus the finish and passing ability. So he just skating. skates with the puck. Well, Kapokaka could skate, and Kapokaku he's hard Kapokaku to get off the not, puck.
2: Yeah. Kapokaka does not have the uh, what you call the sharp edge attribute that NHL uh, gave Barzal. The the NHL
0: gives everyone crap, so whatever. But no, he doesn't have the <laughs> turn ability, but he's as good with the puck, meaning he's, he's hard to guy. knock off of it. Correct. Yeah. But he's got to learn how to create offense and get points. Jazz has to learn how to score. Panarin has to stop passing into the wrong team. There's a lot of things that have been absolutely terrible over the course of these seven games, but yet they're four, two, and one. So you got to look at that in a nutshell.
2: Does that that speaks more to the depth than anything? Because you're talking about top guys. Like Panarin not producing is is a major problem. Not even that. When you don't help on the offense and you're leading to goals in your own net. It's not going to sit well with anyone, but obviously we know what Panarin's capable of, but you're talking about a team that has Zerbanijad struggling, Panarin struggling. First up, I know why Kreider keeps scoring goals, and it's because every chance he has, he's shooting it. You know what he reminds me of? Shout out to our friend Matthew Levitz. Matt Levitz, anywhere on the rink he, he is, he's taking a shot on goal. It doesn't matter if he's behind the net. I watched Kreider come around yesterday. I don't know if it was, it was, what, what period it was, but he came around and it was a sharp angle shot. That probably had zero business going in, took the shot anyway. So You'd love to see him, and That's probably why he's gonna—he's he's scoring goals, correct?
0: He's only scoring because he parks his large behind and front and taps it in. I'm pretty sure every single goal that he's had is within a foot of the crease. So he, but his he has, shots are not working. But
2: he's, his shots are not working. But he's still taking those shots every chance he gets. He, he
0: always does. He always comes off the wing and shoots. And when he's hot, usually those shots will go in because he does have a good shot. But I'm right thinking. now, right now, none of the Rangers' chances that they have are are converting and yet they're four two and one i mean you looked at the game you watched the game yesterday a little bit yeah how many times did they have a backdoor chance where markstrom made the save and i knew that yesterday was going to be a tough loss already right out of the gate once panarin came in on a breakaway and actually toe dragged the puck had a nice shot but markstrom managed to get a blocker on, and i was like if he's not burying that breakaway chance it's going to be a rough game and they had a couple of glorious chances he played they well. sh- short-handed ones they had The Goudreau, Panarin, and Strom line actually look solid. Hopefully Strom coming back will boost Panarin up a little bit. But you got to look at it from the lens that once those guys start to get going, because they've all shown that they will get going, right? I don't think Panarin's ever had a season where he's been horrendous for 82. Zibanejad started off terribly last year, then wound up with 26 points in the last 22 games. So these guys will get going. And once they do, the offense will surge. The question is, do you move Buchnevich? You didn't get Kratsov. You didn't get other people. Will the young kids actually be able to do it? And right now, I have zero faith that they will. And Again. I don't care if people are going to come at me and say, oh, you have to give them time. How much more time? Kako's in his third year. He has never, what, eclipsed 20 points? I mean, Lafreniere is in his second season now. He still looks like he's playing in the Quebec Major Junior League. Where, where are all those moves and abilities that he had shown into that draft year? Why is he not? doing it where's his confidence level a number one overall pick supposed to be confident i don't care if the point totals aren't there but the fact that he doesn't have the ability to beat anybody one-on-one right now with the puck is very very concerning to me he'll take it in over the blue line his first instinct is to look to pass in a one-on-one situation it's never to look to how can i get towards the net how can i drive the net here and that that part is is worrisome to me
2: yeah and i'll just switch over to basketball for one second you're talking about number one overall picks. Ben Simmons with the with the 76ers was talking about how he feels like it's not his fault that he went number one in the in the NBA draft, and now he's you know not getting the luxury of like a guy like Antetokounmpo on Milwaukee, who wasn't in the spotlight and had to work his way. I mean, you're talking about go back to LaFreniere. You know, pr- we talk about prospects being merely prospects. That's about it. I appreciate you said that multiple times. You're not you're only a prospect. That means absolutely nothing. But the fact that obviously Lafreniere hasn't said that I feel like it's a basketball player mindset not a hockey player mindset but at the same time you were drafted that high because you showed that you had the potential to produce that way it's no one else's fault I mean you played well enough I don't think Lafreniere is looking at it as I'm the number one guy I don't have to work as hard I just think he's having a hard time adjusting to NHL life again young kid in the spotlight he's thrown into the spotlight of Broadway some people we've seen in all across sports can't handle New York now I think we're not we're overacting a little bit if we think that his time with the Rangers is done he's gonna be a complete bust obviously I I know you said the b-word multiple times throughout this short season but at the same time you got to start producing because you know in hockey it's not about one guy it's never about one guy and if you're not going to produce someone else will now how long is the leash for a young guy because obviously looking from the Islanders standpoint Barry Trotz is a really long leash for veterans most veterans have given him themselves the right to have long leashes but with the rookies and the young guys we saw with Wallstrom last year Wallstrom was playing great but then he got pulled out when he wasn't playing well that was it that was the leash so the question is does Gerard Gallant going to have a long leash for his young guys because he have depth they have veteran depth now is he going to take him out I guarantee we don't see him take him out but again how long do you want to wait for production
0: you have to wait because they've built the team around these young kids so there's no choice but to wait and are they bust yet no but they're closer to being bust than they are to being the superstar players that we thought they were both going to be. Kako has 40 points, I think, in 117 games. Right? It's just it's not the rate of production you want to see. And yes, he had a COVID-shortened season. He had a lockout short, uh, lockout a uh, COVID-shortened season again. That was only 56 games, and he's missed a couple now due to injury. And Lafreniere came into the league without a training camp, but he's had one this year. They've already been sent down on lines. So right? He's already not producing, so they sent him down. And uh, it's it's very very concerning that they haven't been able to produce anything offensively
2: so do Just you think across the board let's let's say this team does not go as planned right rangers missed the playoffs which I, again don't think they will i think they'll be they'll be after fun but they don't make the playoffs do you look at it as the ability to focus heavily on your prospect pool again with the draft picks they've had with the young guys they've had might not be the 100 percent correct way to go because again they're only prospects that means absolutely nothing until they produce do you think that this rangers team would need to go in now get more veterans because you talk about they're building around lafreniere i personally think they should be building around fox i mean that's your guy on both sides of the puck he's incredible and they are but i think that you know like you said these prospects these young guys have to start producing and the fact that you said there's no genius to be made because they're building around that that's what's concerning to me
0: well you can't change anything who are you going to put in the lineup over lafreniere and Kako? Uh,
2: you need more veteran depth
0: enough veteran depth you, like there's enough. You have the veteran depth. You need players that can score. These veterans can't score, right? Rooney and and Dryden Hunt had a good game yesterday. They combined for a goal. That's not going to happen too often. Right now, the offense is coming from the back end with Adam Fox and even Jacob Trouba is contributing offensively. But you need to have offensive weapons, which is why I've been on the record of saying enough of waiting and getting more and more prospects. You never know if any of them are going to pan out. What I'm saying, Take those prospects and move them not for veteran depth, but for offensive minded players. Like, like Jack if, Eichel? If somebody had told me, right, if Jack Eichel was healthy and you didn't have that whole health scare, I would have 100 percent said, yes, you could put Kako in that trade for Jack Eichel. I've been on record saying that I have no problem moving Capo Kako to get an established player like Eichel, who I know will score when we don't know how Kako will pan out. Right, Lafreniere, you probably can't move because it's your number one overall pick. That's way too quick to give up on a number one overall pick. But Jack Eichel would have been a number one overall pick in any other draft class.
2: Oh yeah, I mean he went he, he went with the the what probably going to be at the end of the day one of the greatest players to ever play the game.
0: So whatever. Well, I hope I'm not sitting here like some people are Rangers fans wise that are like, oh, I hope they don't pan out that way. I could be right. No, I would love for them to pan out and I would love for people to come back to this episode and say, oh, look, when you you were prematurely, which I haven't called them bus, I'm saying they're on that road right now, but there's a lot that they have to learn and a lot that they have to start doing for the Rangers to become a playoff team. We'll leave it at that.
2: We will leave it at that. All right, let's talk Islanders, right? You know, hot team now on a point streak. You know, Islanders love going streaking, Brendan, 3-0-1 in their last four games and you can only point the finger to one person for the reason for that being the case, and that is your NHL's third star of the week, Ilya Sorokin. He goes 3-0-1 this week, .971 save percentage, 0.99 goals against average, two shutouts but wait, in their win against the Blackhawks last Tuesday, he had a shutout going with 30 seconds to go and lost it. So now you're talking about looking at it from a standpoint. That's one less goal he should have allowed. Another shutout he should have added. Again, we can play the shoulda, coulda, woulda, didn't. But at the same time, those stats are incredible. Yet they should be even better if you take away thirty. If you that 30-second issue with the Islanders on that game against the Blackhawks. He's been unreal.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like they got helped a little bit by playing the teams that they've played over the course of the last four days. You got Vegas, who lost everybody, so they got a favorable matchup there. Yep. Chicago... <laughs> it's just <an> absolute <laughs> dumpster oh my, fire right now. Jesus. And Arizona is Arizona. So Vegas, I thought, actually outplayed the Islanders the majority of the game. Sorokin was just phenomenal.
2: Well he out Vegas outplayed the Islanders for the first like forty minutes of that game was yeah. just like the Islanders mm-hmm. see the thing was that's so weird is that the Islanders looked better at times, cycling the offensive zone. You know, right before the game I tweeted, All right, Robin Leonard's a big goaltender. Huge goaltender. Shoot low and hard at him crash for rebounds he, he gives up too much if you're in tight on him I know he doesn't like uh, penalty shots he hates those he hates the shootout you gotta get shots from the outside and crash you have to you have to do that and the first goal they scored off the stick of Josh Bailey who has been struggling mightily they score a goal and they did not do that for the rest of the game which blew my mind because you had a great first period on that side you know defense was shaky Sorokin played great but offensively on your first couple of shifts you made it count how do you not do that again? And Brendan, have you ever been called into an office at a job and said, hey, man, you're, you've been working terribly. You've been absolutely terrible. Are you going to let us go? We're not going to let you go. We're going to actually promote you to CEO. That's what happened to Josh Bailey. On the second line, doing absolutely nothing. Trotz calls him in and goes, yeah, you've been playing really bad. We're putting you alongside Barzal. And he has a fantastic game.
0: I, I use that analogy all the time. I I primarily use it for baseball because it's like, oh, let's let's give you X amount of money to not perform. I think I used to do it for Stan. It was like, imagine if I just didn't show up to work 95% of the time and I still made my full salary. How would that look? So you're right. But in hockey, right, Bailey is somebody that you mentioned the rope for a veteran. He has that. He's been around. He's produced. And he has chemistry with multiple people.
2: Yeah. Longest Islander, And it helps that he is a playmaker. But also, you put anyone with – it's like putting anyone with David. Again, I'm not taking credit away from Bailey. He did have a great game, did a lot of great things, kept pucks in the zone, made some real quick decisions, something that he really hadn't done the whole entire season with the second line with Nelson and Bavillier. But you put a guy like any guy alongside Barzal or alongside McDavid minus Leo Komarov, they're going to produce. They have to because Barzal gives you that opportunity. I think for the Islanders, I mean, you love what Sorokin's doing, but he should not have to be working this hard every single game to get points. Now, the Islanders have Varlamov coming back to the roster. He's been on IR since the start of training camp with soreness, skating away from the team, joined the clubs, been skating, but Corey Schneider was just put on waivers to make a spot for him. The Islanders do not play again until Saturday. The question becomes, do you ride the hot hand in Sorokin because he's been absolutely unreal, or do you get Varlamov in there? Now, I just wrote an article for NY Hockey Now on this, Island's got 76 games left. Varlamov's going to play. We saw last year. He got snubbed to the Vezina candidacy. He wasn't going to win but he was snubbed. He should have been in the conversation. He was that good. You gotta ride the hot hand. I know it's only six games in. The Islanders are on a 13-game road trip. They have seven games left in this 13-game road trip. You need as many points coming home from that road trip as possible. And the Islanders do not even play often. They have five days or four days now until they play Florida. And they have a couple of days off. And they got two games and a couple of days. There's a back-to-back in that to end this long road trip. They play two games in Florida. Varlamov's obviously going to get one of those again. Sorokin got the last two, Saturday and Sunday, against Arizona and Vegas, becoming the first Islander player ever to have back-to-back shutouts on consecutive nights. Because again, we're in the day and age where no goalie really plays two games in a row yep. in general, unless they're you know in the tandem world, you usually go back and forth each game based on matchups, but never back-to-back days. So Sorokin's proven already that he can handle the number one workload early on in the season, and this is again, he hasn't had to be good. He hasn't had to be good for the Islanders to get points. He's had to be unreal. And now, Varlamov coming in, we've seen how good Varlamov could be. He could play Sorokin esque when he's in there. We saw it last year. But now, rust. Now you're putting Varlamov in, who hasn't played at all in the preseason. hasn't played since game seven of the Eastern Finals or semifinals, whatever you want to call it, last year. I don't feel like the Islanders have a chance right now to see a soft goal go in in the first couple of games. We saw Varlamov in the post, and early on in games, he allowed goals, weak goals. Islanders need as many points as they possibly can on this road trip. Varlamov will play you got to take advantage of Sorokin being this hot because eventually he will come down to earth and you just hope by the time he does the Islanders have finished this 13 game road trip they're at home they're getting comfortable at UBS and away they go because I just feel like it'd be a disservice to the team if Varlamov goes in there and again he's gonna have to shake off Ross Sorokin's just too hot right now
0: yeah and I feel like this break that they have this five-day break came at the worst possible time sucks because as a goalie, right, you're that I guess, hot. I guess you want you to go every single night. Like You yeah. want to ride that streak while you can. Now five days off, he's going to be gone. Like I'm not saying Momentum. he's going to be cold, but that, that feeling that you had going on a back-to-back where you knew you were stopping everything, five weeks off, you're, you got five days off, excuse me. Five weeks would be a little drastic. But yeah, five days, you go into that net, and you're like, okay, I got to get reacclimated now. I haven't faced game shots in, in almost a week. It's tough.
2: You hear it from every coach, general manager, whatever the case may be in every sport. When you're hot, you want to keep going. When you're not playing hot, you still want to keep going because you want to shake it off. So I think a break is never good. The only way it is good is if there's injuries. Or like the COVID hiatus that we had a couple of years ago where the Islanders were injured and they had to they got Pellet back. You know, that's huge. That, that long break of a couple of months off was huge for them. But take that apart from every other team in every sport. When you're going good, you want to go out there every single game and prove that I can keep this going because, again, this break, Sorokin can be back to normal come Saturday. We have no idea. So it is unfortunate. The Islanders do have a lot of breaks, though. So if that, Sorokin can play well after breaks like this, that just proves down the road that he can handle it. He can handle the break, the mental break, and still come out there and play where he has to play. But, I mean, going back to Josh Bailey for a second, Bailey haters are going to hate this. He currently leads the Islanders, tied with the lead, uh, the team lead in assists with three. Uh, Palmieri and Dobson both have three. Because he also leads in points. Josh Bailey, guys. You know everyone was talking about will he get picked in the expansion draft? He's a, he's a terrible player. He can't play anymore. But then he shows signs that he can. It's just about being with the right guys. And you're looking at that second line. I mean, that's a second line that when hot, they might be one of the best second lines in hockey. But when they're cold, they are the worst. They don't produce. They don't do anything. And I think Trotz had no choice. He had to break up that second line, and he, he decided to move Bailey up. Maybe Wallstrom, you thought would get a bump up because of his play. But he's been too good alongside Pajot and Parise. Pajot has struggled. But again, that line is going to be a line This that really could carry the offense at times. So I think it was a smart move by Trotz. Obviously, it is a smart move because it paid off and got a win. I think the Islanders moving forward, though, it's not even about their offense. They they are, and you could talk about Brendan too, with Gallant now focusing on defense. The Islanders have always been a team that is focused on making the plays in your own zone. And that turns into offense chances. You know, it's not going to be like we're going to cycle the offensive zone for minutes at a time. The Islanders work off their defensive play. We are seeing the Islanders make so many stupid plays in their own zone that are not even ending up in the back of the net because that's obviously been an issue. But it takes ice time, potential offensive ice time away from those top guys. They're in their zone for a minute, minute and a half while the other team cycles. They get tired. They, all they have to do is get the puck out and they're changing. That, that shift is gone. That production on offense is not there anymore. You just have to make a line change. The thing with the Islanders, it's just got to focus in your own zone. Now, Chara, we can talk about him. He's been... He's been terrible, and at 44, I really don't know if what Islander fans were expecting. I know they were probably expecting a better defensive play from a guy that has been around for 20-something 20 years, 24, 25 years at the NHL level. He's been bad. It's affected the lines. You got to switch up the first line defensive pairing in Pelican-Pulak, which at the end of the day might be one of the best pairings in all of hockey defensively. You broke them up, and now you have to mix and match. I think the Islanders have to find a way to get enough out of Char, because not that he's the answer, but if he's playing well, this this defense is significantly better. It's negatively affecting the entire defense, which is negatively affecting Sorokin, and they've been lucky that Sorokin's been as hot as he has.
0: You know the meme where, or the tweet where people put two topics and then the handshaking emoji? Yeah, yeah so the Islanders and Rangers are there shaking hands right now, and it's Sallow in the minors and Zach Jones in the minors. And yeah. that's that's what they're shaking hands with because – Patrick Nemeth is garbage. (laughs) Okay, to
2: bring him up, I was waiting for him to be brought up in this garbage.
0: That pass was atrocious. If he took two seconds, fine. All he had to do, but he thinks he's Wayne Gretzky now, snapping you know quick passes. No, buddy, you can't do that. He's been just a cone getting walked around the ice. And I know they brought him over because of the Swedish connection with Nils Lundqvist. I'm sorry, Nils Lundqvist hasn't looked all that impressive either to me. So either you send, well, what they should do is send down and wave LeBar Hayek because God knows why he's occupying a spot on that team. (laughs) Scratch Nemeth, call up Zach Jones. But realistically what they should do is at least send down Nils Lundqvist, let him get acclimated and bring Zach Jones up because right now Zach Jones is probably the better defender in an ideal world. You scratch Nemeth, you send down Hayek, you bring up Zach Jones and you let the two young kids play together. If they give up goals, they give up goals. We just watched Nemeth. Basically, put the puck in his own net last night. So what's the difference? I would rather see the young kid with more upside play. But that's just me. And it's the same thing with the Islanders. You have Sallow, You have two older aging vet guys. Let them be scratches every once in a while and let this kid Sallow in there. I watched him in the preseason with you. He looked phenomenal.
2: Well, I think you want Sallow playing every day. You want him playing every day in the minors and getting acclimated to that game, that system the Islanders have in place because they have systems rolling in throughout the organization. You want him to play every day. Now, the problem is, like I said, Chara has been bad. He's been worse than bad. He's been horrid. I mean, he just looks like a guy that is 44 and is just done. And it's sad. It really is sad to see because it was such a great story. Coming back to the Island after a 20-year hiatus. I mean, he's been around longer than some of the teammates have been alive in the NHL. His career has been longer than their, their lifespan, which is mind-boggling, but I mean, it's been longer than our lives, Brendan. He's been playing in the NHL, which is just crazy. I don't know if it's time to hang it up, but what I will tell you is it's time for him to not play big minutes. I mean, he was playing 19 or so minutes. I think that dropped to 13 or 14 the last game. You have Sebastian Ajo, the Islanders' Sebastian Ajo. I know we had a comment on one of my posts on my website, when I mm-hmm. talked about Aho getting in last weekend, which he didn't, I said it would be a good idea to get him in with the back-to-backs, yada, yada, yada. Well, someone decided to comment saying, Sebastian Ajo's on the Carolina Hurricanes. What are you talking about? Who who writes this stuff? Now, obviously, I know what I'm talking about, and that Sebastian Aho is different, and if you were an Islander person, you'd be aware of that, so I really don't think I should have to point that out. <laughs> but anyway, Aho's up here. He had a great camp. The fact is that... The whole waiver thing is the reason that Salo's not up here right now. So Ajo is not going in, but it seems like Char isn't going to play every game. It's impossible. Every game this season, eighty-two games, he's not cut out for this. What I think will happen is over the next couple weeks, we'll see how things are going. But if he starts to still struggle, he's going to be a, a so they're going to rotate in. Now I hope the rotation includes Salo because he's been ultra impressive with Bridgeport and. For a guy that young, who showed a two way game, we watched it. Great in his own zone, could skate the puck up. They do not have a guy like Nick Letty When Letty was absent, they didn't bring anybody in. Could Salo be that guy? Now you thought Dobson could be that guy, and Dobson's been solid, much better alongside Andy Green. He started with Chara, and that was negatively impacting his play. Again, it's all about the leashes, Brendan. In both teams, how do you tell a forty four year old Chara, hey, you're now the seventh guy, or you're not going to play every day? I'm not saying Trotz hasn't had that conversation. I'm going to guarantee it. The the phone lines are open. They talk all the time about it, and I think he, he truly believes that Chara could help them, and I think Chara could help too. I just think you got to cut his minutes, and you got you can't play him every day, for his sake. You want him you want him to be well rested, and you don't want to treat him like a baby. He's forty four. He knows he knows he hasn't been good. He hasn't been good enough, but you also know that he has qualities that not many players on the team has. Besides the leadership, he's also huge. the The concerning problem for me is I've seen him get knocked on his you know what a couple of times everyone's shorter than him everyone's smaller than him you got to be a little strong in your skates you're a big guy if you're fighting for a puck in the corner trying to get it out you should not be the one on the floor ever now is that because of age you know that's where the problems come in because you could play bad and still bounce back and you'd be like don't count about his age he's just struggling in the system whatever it may be but when you're looking at physical things happening that never happened that to me is age is getting to him mileage in the NHL is getting to him his legs aren't as strong as they once were again I'm just talking out my you know what because I'm not I'm not in the room I'm not having the conversation with Char what's wrong but when you look at a player who played in a system like this with Boston he played on Washington you know he didn't look this bad last year again it was a shortened season it wasn't as many games could have been adrenaline with a new team who knows you just gotta if Char is going to be in the lineup he's going to have to show you anything he hasn't shown anything right now. He's got to show you something for a reason to be in there because like you said, I'd rather see a young guy who is part of this future of this team get in there, get acclimated early in a season. That way he could help you down the road and in the future. And I think right now, the Islanders have to make a decision on Char. My bet is he'll stay in the lineup because you look at it now, the Islanders have a point streak going. Has he helped with that point streak? No, but he is part of the roster that is getting you wins and getting you points. So you're probably going to ride him.
1: Dinner.
0: All right, so now let's move on from the heated Islanders and Rangers discussion to our NHL segment, which is around the boards. Stefan, I know you want to kick things off with some, some league takes right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so obviously it's too early to look at the standings, and we understand that here. But at the same time, Buffalo Sabres are 4-1-1. One, and one. Let's see if any other surprising teams. San Jose is 4-1. Calgary is 3-1-1. One, and one. Now, the the surprising ones, right, of good teams playing like absolute crap right now. First off, did you expect Chicago to be 0-5-1? And not just that. To not hold a lead once the whole entire season? Not once. Not even 0.01 seconds. This is a team, Brendan, that doesn't know what playing a lead is like yet. And we are talking about a team that has played Six games. Quick math, Brendan. How many minutes is that? A lot. Sixty times six. Three sixty. Yes. That's a very long time to show nothing of getting leads.
0: And they haven't shown any life from that either. Usually when you're trailing that much or you know, you're on this type of stretch, your your goal is to all right, boys, we gotta look around the locker room here and say, Hey, we gotta come out today and, and just win one game. We gotta start with one. And they have not shown that. And you could partially that's coaching. The other part it, the onus is on the players in the end, right? You got oh, veteran I, guys in that room.
2: Jeremy collaton former Islander player, he's on the yeah. hot seat, and and for for reason. he's why. not on
0: a hot seat. He's in a microwave oven. He,
2: he's in a microwave oven, yes, and it's running, and it's been on for 360 minutes, and he's on fire.
0: It's like you're heating up some leftovers, right? And you got 30 seconds left in the microwave before it ends. That's that's what Colladin's time right now. If they drop two more, he's done.
2: You got to add to that, though. It gets down to one second, then you open it so it doesn't go off, and you put it back in and get the timer going. Because every game, it seems like, oh, is this going to be it? Ah, not yet. And I feel like, like you said, it's on the players. I'm sorry, Marc-Andre Fleury, I know you've had zero defensive help. Make one big save. And again,
0: overrated goalie in NHL I've
2: watched, going into the Islanders game against Chicago, the Islanders won that game. Should have been a shout-out, wasn't, whatever. We move on. I watched all the goals he allowed. Pretty much all of them were defensive breakdowns. But if you look back at those, I think it was eight goals before he played the Islanders, three or four he wants back. And again, I'm not saying they're going to win games because they're not. Their defense is atrocious. But you need your Vesna winning goaltender that you traded for. Again, obviously for nothing. So he doesn't owe you anything. Quite frankly, I'm shocked he decided to ever go to Chicago and not just hang it up. But, You need more from him. You need more from Seth Jones because you paid him everything to be here. Everything. He's got to play better. But it's not one. It's two people aren't going to make your hockey team better. You need everyone to play better. Now, I know they have COVID issues right now. Patrick Keane is out. Uh, There's probably other names, but he's your biggest. You're just in a spiral now where you're just a bad hockey team, but you shouldn't be that bad of a hockey team. And I think that they'll figure it out. The question is when.
0: You know what the beauty of hockey is? Outside of Chicago, and yeah. not not don't say Arizona because we all expected this. What's the uh, one? Team... You
2: well, no. You told me in an episode or two ago when I said we we're You our said teams, they were going
0: to have eleven wins.
2: I think they still have eleven wins.
0: No, no that they're going to have more than eleven wins, but.
2: Brendan, they're they're through six games and have zero wins.
0: There's still 76 games. You're telling me they're not going to win more than 11 of those 76 games.
2: Wait. So we've played six out of six. I'm going to do math right now. Zero and six. Zero times 82 is zero. They might never win a game.
0: That's wrong. But who's the other team that's struggling right now besides Arizona and Chicago? Like if in you that had division? A, no, just in the NHL. It's been talked about every single day. No,
2: Montreal. Toronto? No,
0: well, Toronto. And the beauty of hockey is that tomorrow night, Wednesday night, Toronto plays Chicago, <laughs> which means either something's going to give in that game. Either Chicago is going to finally hold the lead and potentially win their first game of the year, or Toronto is going to continue okay. to run over Chicago and just diminish their hopes of, and Colladin's hopes of remaining there but get onto a winning path because Toronto does not deserve to be... Two four and one. They I know really that. Don't.
2: I know that we have. Um, we'll be doing our betting segment next week, but I think uh, the over in this game.
0: The over is probably a safe bet.
2: Is that yes. our safe bet of the week, Brendan? The over in Toronto because this is what's going to happen. This is just my point of view. First shot on flirt is going in a hundred percent off the stick of Austin Matthews with his little toe drag, semi toe drag, bar down ski stuff. That's going to happen, and then the flow gates are just going to open. This is going to be like a six to five game. Maybe in overtime. And you know what will be funny? Fla- um, Chicago will never have a lead that game. They'll lose in overtime.
0: If if they go that whole game without getting the lead, because I feel like that's the type of game where, based on how the fan bases are reacting right now, Chicago would take the lead early one nothing. Toronto fans will be like, oh, my God, we're going to lose to the 0-5-1 team. They're going to jump out to like a 3-1 lead, and then Chicago is going to come back, tie it up, and then you're just going to have that back and forth the rest of the game. That's how I can see that game playing out.
2: So wait, so you you believe Chicago is taking... Is there a prop bet for this? I, want to, I don't I want know. A prop I
0: believe bet. that both teams are going to end their quote-unquote drought. I think so Toronto Chicago scores first
2: and Toronto wins. That's pretty much what you're saying.
0: I, I That's what I believe.
2: I can't wait to watch now, Brendan, because all I'm going to think about is oh, please allow the first goal. We should put a little bet on it by ourselves, Brendan. Uh,
0: I might. I very well might.
2: Um, sorry about your bet yesterday where you thought, you know... Toronto I, I didn't against... throw it. What are you, you, didn't, you didn't throw it?
0: No, I told you I wasn't betting hockey, but I said if I was going to bet, I would have bet Toronto uh, Street. Yeah, and yeah. they dominated that game too, but whatever.
2: That is. Any other surprise you have, Brendan, from around the NHL right now when you look at everything? I'm kind of shocked about how well the Penguins are doing.
0: I'm not because they're the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um,
2: yeah, but do you, know, <laughs> do you know their center depth right now?
0: It's absurd, but they have the best head coach in the National Hockey League. Sorry, Barry Trotz.
2: You truly believe that their coach is the best coach? Mike, Mike Sullivan?
0: Sullivan? When was the last time you've heard of the Pittsburgh Penguins being completely healthy?
2: Nah, it's been years. And how
0: many times do they make the playoffs every single year? And I thought that they gave outside so, the wait, lightning. You don't obviously. think
2: right now Joe Quinnville is the best coach?
0: No. Joe Quinnville is the best team.
2: <laughs> I know. I'm kidding.
0: And it it pains me to say this because guess who was an assistant coach for the New York Rangers?
2: Uh, Mike Sullivan.
0: Yeah. So the Rangers would have won 17 <laughs> cups already if they kept him as head coach. But he He is. Uh, it's unreal what he yeah, does. Yeah,
2: it is, it is, but it's also committed name to Name the... somebody
0: on their defense besides Chris Letang. <laughs> it, exactly. Name somebody <laughs> on their offense that is healthy right now that should be scoring goals.
2: Evan Rodriguez.
0: If that's the one you can name <laughs> and they're... What are they? Teddy Blue. 3-0-2. No. They haven't even lost in no. regulation no. yet. Without Crosby, without Malkin, without Gensel, without Rust.
2: Even the Tang was in COVID protocol. I think. Their, whole
0: team, co- their whole team, they're playing with the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins right now. And Mike Sullivan goes, it's okay, boys. This is what we're going to do. It's genius.
2: And Jari and his glove hand. And they're still playing well.
0: And, and Jari. But Jari actually hasn't been that bad.
2: No. Well, same There's thing the- to say. His hope he hasn't been. First off, could we go back to uh, Monday night's game? Did you watch any of the Dallas game?
0: Uh, no, because I, I can't watch the Dallas. Okay, hard. so
2: I, I took the under in this game, and I thought I was gonna have to shoot Hopi in the face. It was Monday, um, because he allows a goal that just to me as a goalie so fundamentally wrong with what it, and you know how I feel and I everyone that's listening knows how I feel about Hopi. I just I don't like him. I don't like the way he competes. I just don't like anything about him, and nothing to do with any fan base or at all. I just you know don't like his game. On, the, my dog barking. on that goal, he's in, in the back of his net. And I know, obviously, some people are listening, but let's say this is my glove hand right here. His glove hand is all the way low, down, like connected to his arm next to his body. In no way, shape, or form did he give himself any chance to make... And the shot was from far out. He's not out of the top of his crease. He's so lacking that he's going. He just goes like this. Just eh, a little arm. Roll. No, no, no way was he stopping that puck at that. And I love what Hopi always does when he has a goal is he freezes for the camera. He's like, oops, look at me. And <laughs> the, the sirens go off, and he's just stuck like this. And it was just... Again, I bet the honors. So, to start the game, this was the first goal of the game. I'm going, oh, oh my god.
0: Yeah, so Sturkin did that with Blake Coleman's goal, too. but he just got caught the, in between.
2: That's fine, but this was one of those shots where... This was never saving you. <laughs> that motion... I know why he did it, because the Glovehand was too low. He was never going to stop it, but... And it it just, again, I got the goalie head. And obviously, look at me. (laughs) I'm five foot, barely anything. And I'm not in the NHL. So me making fun of a goaltender at the NHL who's won a Stanley Cup, probably one of the greatest saves of all time in a Stanley Cup final, I'm judging him based on one shot he allowed.
0: As you should. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to this episode of The Backjack. Stay tuned for the interview with Kobe Guy. Uh, Florida Panthers beat reporter. He's going to go into (laughs) what makes the Panthers tick right now on their hot start. Definitely remain listening to that. And we will. Lucky land
3: casino, asking people what's the weirdest
0: place you've gotten lucky
2: lucky in line at the deli, I guess. I in my dentist's office. Contributor to Florida Hockey Now, a credentialed contributor. Colby, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good. First off, congratulations on being credentialed for this season. it's got to be an awesome opportunity for you.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I am I came into this season literally two days after turning 20. So, I mean, having that experience at this age has just been very good for me. So I couldn't be more thankful.
2: Awesome. So before we dive into the Florida Panthers, obviously off to an incredible start, 6-0. and you're a Long Island kid, so I gotta ask you: Who'd you root for growing up? Uh, big Islanders guy. I had season tickets
3: growing up. Uh, uh, big Islander guy through and through for pretty much my entire life. So I would definitely say Islanders over Rangers.
2: So obviously, don't give me your your address where you grew up. But were you local? You know, close to NASA Coliseum? I was. I grew up in East Northport. All right, there you go. Not too far. Oh, what, an about an hour, and I've been an hour to the Coliseum. So not not too too bad all right so like i said the panthers 6-0 to start best start in team history in the last ever in the history of the team 25th team ever to start with that record what has allowed the florida panthers to be so good out of the gate
3: they've just been so good in all three levels their goaltending has been solid uh their defense has been limiting the chances and they've been keeping a lot of those chances outside to the perimeter And then they have such a deep offense. I mean, you obviously have the first line with Barkov. You have the second line with Jonathan Huberto. And then the third line, now you get Anton Lindell, who's coming into this at 20 years old, doing things that you wouldn't really expect a 20-year-old to be able to do in his first NHL season. But, uh, I mean, even with him out, he is day-to-day with an upper body injury. I mean, the team didn't slow down. They they still got four goals against the Coyotes. So they gr- granted they kind of had a little bit of a hiccups in that third period, but th- they have such a good team that they can dominate no matter who they put out on the ice, and uh, it's really showing.
2: Yeah. So you talk about you know the depth down the middle, especially you know you're talking about that we saw last year when Eckbud got hurt. This team was still able to continue to to dominate, quite frankly. And when you look at teams around the NHL, some guys when they lose that top guy, top guy in the back end or top guy. In the lineup, they struggle, but the Panthers really haven't done that. And you're seeing right away, 6-0 start. One of the biggest things I think is the bounce back of Sergey Bobrovsky. Talk a little about what he's meant, especially getting off to a strong start after two mediocre seasons with Florida.
3: Yeah, it seems like he's been getting his confidence back. And uh, it's just been big for them. Like Ekblad said, that the, the goaltending was pivotal for them over the first six games. And they've been doing such a great job back there, but... Having Bobrovsky doing a vintage Bobrovsky things for the Panthers is something that's going to be huge. That's a question a lot of people had when Chris Drieger left. So having Bobrovsky back there, I think that solves a lot of the issues that people had with the team going into the preseason.
2: So is there a trust that he is the true number one? Because I know Spencer Knight, you know, hasn't played that much at the NHL level, but when he's played, I mean, he's been downright fantastic. It seems like there's a 1A,
3: 1B thing going on, but Bobrovsky is clearly the 1A right now. But they'll play the hot hand, and as of right now, Bobrovsky is that hot hand. But if if, if anything drops up for, off from Bobrovsky, I don't think there is much to worry about. But for now, Bobrovsky's the guy.
2: Yeah, and do you think that, you know, we see on the island with Char being there helping out Noah Dobbs, and we've seen Varlamov helping out Sorokin. Do you think that because is playing well, it allows him to be more of a leader to Spencer Knight? Or do you think despite the way Bobrovsky plays, he's still definitely a positive influence on Knight?
3: I think he definitely is still a positive influence on Knight. I mean, uh, Spencer Knight's coming in there. Uh, he's sharing a locker room with a guy who won a Vezina trophy. And obviously he can pick up on those mannerisms Bobrovsky has or some pregame things he does. And he's around him at practice. So I think that... Bobrovsky is still a very good mentor tonight, even if he's struggling. I mean, he has such a good track record. And, I mean, watching what he does on a daily basis is still something that would be huge for a guy like Spencer Knight. And, I mean, it's showing, too, because he's he's been feeling very comfortable at the NHL level.
2: Yeah, and one more thing on Bobrovsky. Does he ever talk about, you know, with the media – why he struggled early on? Was it maybe the pressure of the contract, a new place he had to get acclimated? Of course, we had two seasons riddled with COVID. Do you think those all played a part into why he's it took some time for him to get comfortable? Uh, on, on, When they played the Islanders,
3: uh, there's this one guy who kept peppering him with questions like that. Yeah. But, I mean, understandably so, the guy didn't really answer them because, I mean... They were also worded in an attacking way. And That's not good. <laughs> yeah, you never want to do that when you're in the media. But this season, Bobrovsky kind of crediting be- becoming a dad and getting that kind of routine going with uh, having his kid there and uh, having to be more disciplined with his time and being more disciplined on the ice as well. So I think that
2: one, one thing he's credited is definitely being a dad. That's, that's pretty interesting. I mean, it makes sense. You know, you get a new uh, outlook on life. So maybe there's appreciation factor. That's, that's pretty cool. Great insight there. Thank you. So, you know, we talk about locker rooms and leaders in the locker room are, are really important. We saw Keith Yandel. He's been a big part of the Florida Panthers locker room since he got there, obviously with the Spin Chicklets podcast, he's always, he's always around. Unfortunately, before last season started, there were talks that he wasn't going to make the team. His Ironman streak was going to come to an end. He did in fact play, but this off season, he left and is now a member of the Flyers. Do you know who is now that big presence in the locker room? Well, first of
3: all, uh, Keith Yandel did pick up an assist for us on uh, <laughs> Saturday night. So, I mean, it, it, he's not completely gone. He got an assist for the Panthers. There but uh, they picked up Joe Thornton during the offseason. So that's obviously a big one. You have a guy that's been around since before I was even born. Uh, being on that team, being a guy who's a presence in the locker room, whether or not he's playing or not. But obviously, like Joe Thornton, one of the best players to ever play the game, being in your locker room and being a guy that you can bounce off from, that's a huge thing. And then also Alexander Barkov's kind of stepping into those shoes. I mean, he's a guy that um, is rooming with Anton Lundell, and Lundell has been going to Barkov for a lot of things, and he's been um, Lundell's mentor. So definitely the captain, Alexander Barkov, has those leadership characteristics, and uh, he's doing everything he can for Lundell too, and it's really showing with uh, Lundell's performance.
2: Yeah, you look at also other guys that don't get – a lot of this Florida Panther team reminds me of, of certain teams where they don't – they're as a whole fantastic team, but a lot of those little guys or even the big guys don't get enough credit. When you think about players that don't get enough credit, Jonathan Huberto comes right to mind because, first off, I feel like he holds every record book in the Florida Panthers organization, and he really doesn't get credit, but can you talk about just how good of a hockey player is because you're watching every day? I think the one thing that people
3: haven't picked up on yet is that Jonathan Huberto really, really picked up on his defensive end of the game during the offseason, and that that's been something that's been huge throughout the uh, streak here. Uh, that's to start the season. He's been making very good plays. He's been sticking on his man. He's been covering for other guys when they've needed him to. And he's even playing on the penalty kill now. I mean, you you you, you got Huberto out there doing pretty much everything that you could ask of him, and he's been succeeding in all assets of the game. So now you got Huberto having a similar defensive game to Barkov and. That's a dangerous two-way team there. So you have Huberto and Barkov in the background, or, in, or not in the background. You have Huberto and Barkov, both with very good defensive games. You got your two best offensive players uh, doing that. That, that. That's crazy.
2: And they're on two different lines. Too. Yeah, I mean, exactly. that that's that's insane. I think were you you were the one that read. Uh, you were the one, that, excuse me, that wrote the story on the penalty kill, right? About Huberto with Florida Hockey now.
3: Yeah, that was me. Um, yeah, so
2: way to plug it right there. Plug it right in, guys. Definitely check that out at Florida Hockey Now. Colby's always writing stuff, but that was a great piece on the penalty kill. Again, I, you know, as New York hockey, we're not paying attention too much to Florida. We know that they beat the Islanders, excuse me, on um, the Saturday, second first Saturday of the season in a, in a bad beat. But we don't really get that insight. So, again, great job there. So you brought about Joe Thornton and about his acquisition this season. And obviously, he joined the Panthers because he believes that they have a chance to win the Cup. The guy's running out of time. We all know that. He scored his first goal Monday, correct? Yeah, he
3: scored his first goal on Monday. Uh, it was a power play goal. He kind of shifted off from the point over to the front of the net. And the, that's the way the Panthers do on the power play. They have a lot of good cycles there. So Thornton started out on the point. They kind of shifted things over to get to him in the front of the net. He kind of went behind the Coyotes' defense and was able to pick up a rebound and put the Panthers uh, up. I mean, tie the game up at one to
2: one Yeah, I mean... You're not expecting Thornton to really contribute to offense anymore. But what he's good at, he's good at. And that's being a net front presence, playing behind the net, getting pucks up to his, to his uh, defensemen. And it just, one of those guys that, like you said, big locker room presence. Is he, is he a big locker room presence when talking to the media? Is he an out, outspoken person or is he more laid back, quiet guy?
3: I, when we were talking to him yesterday, it was my first time talking with him. I think he was a little bit more laid back. But I think I need a little bit more time talking to Joe before I comment on that. I mean, I know he uh, he, he can be a little bit uh, loud and eccentric at times, be a little fun guy. But he was very uh, soft-spoken. He was talking very good about his teammates. And he gave us really good insight. And, I mean, that's the thing with Thornton. He's a very smart hockey player. He'll answer your question and just give you the most insight possible on it. I mean... And then you see it on the ice as well. The guy is perfect at making reads, and that will not that that doesn't go away with age. I mean, that actually gets stronger with age. There, you got one of the smartest hockey players in the game. There with Joe Thornton. So, I mean, no matter how he says it, he's always going to give you something.
2: Yeah. Uh, Moving on to Sam Bennett, we talked about the depth down the middle for the Panthers, and that's depth down the middle is a huge part in making it far in the postseason. But you know, Sam Bennett has gotten off to a really hot start. He played 10 games last year with the Panthers, had 15 points. He's got four goals ready on the year. I know one of them was a hatcher against the Islanders, so that's obviously in bunches, but how has he been? I mean, has he been, he's been? he been great for this team.
3: Yeah, him and Jonathan Huberto have gotten off to a very good start. They, uh, they have some real chemistry going there, and uh, it really showed last night as well. I mean... On the power play, he's a very good net front presence. A lot of people thought he tipped Ekblad's uh, goal in. He didn't. But even having him up there, being that net front guy on the power play, is something that helps out a lot. The screen kind of cut off uh, Veshmelka's vision a little bit, and that kind of helped the goal go in anyways. So, I mean, even though he didn't get the a, a, a goal on that, you can't really knock the guy. And then on what became eventually the game-winning goal. Him and Huberto kind of hooked up on a 2-on-0. They kind of passed the puck back and forth before Huberto got his, his third goal of the season. So, yeah, Sam Bennett is really valuable to the team. He's a, a center that works very well with Jonathan Huberto. So th- that right there is something that really works for the Panthers. And now he's a guy who is, he's is second on the team in points with seven. It's because him and Huberto have such a great connection. Huberto has five assists, and then Bennett leaves the team in goals with four. He's actually tied with Anthony Duclair. So, I mean, your top two goal scorers are neither of Barkov or Huberto. So that's a big thing with the Panthers. But going back to Bennett, he's such a good net front guy. He, He has a connection with Huberto. So that right there just makes for a great formula.
2: Yeah, you talk about that chemistry, and that chemistry is going to get better every game that they play with one another. And like you said, too, it's not your top guys that are really producing. It's your depth guys. And we've seen, I mean, look at Tampa, the back-to-back Stanley Cup champs. It was their bottom six. that was really, obviously, they have the weapons on the top top six. But the bottom six guys were the real big cause for why there were back-to-back champs. And now we're seeing with the loss of a bunch of those guys, Tampa's struggling. Last question for you, Colby. Who has been the biggest standout on this 6-0-0 start? I mean... I'm going to have to take the elephant in the room here. I mean, every time I
3: ask someone about this, they give me the same answer. It's Anton Lundell. I mean, you stick in a 20-year-old there, and he has the season he's had so far. I mean, it's crazy. The kid is very good defensively. He plays on the top penalty kill unit with Barkov, usually. And he has such great defensive IQ for someone his age. And then you put together the fact that He's a very good scorer. He's very smart. He knows where to be and where to be to put those pucks in. He makes the right plays. So you're you're getting all of that from a 20-year-old, a guy that usually would you would want to see work out through the NHL and learn first, but it's like the kid's been there forever. It's like he's been playing as long as Joe Thornton has with the amount of smart plays his kid's making. So – you have Anton Lindell out there basically being Barkov 2.0. That's, that's something exciting.
2: And Joe Quentinville, he's been around a long time. He's coached a lot of fantastic players, probably as best as Patrick Kane. He's got to have a lot of faith to put a young guy like that, not even in the lineup, but on the penalty killing in special teams.
3: Yeah. Like from day one, opening night, you put Anton Lindell out there. He had, he had about like five minutes of penalty kill time when the Panthers took nine penalties and – He was one of the Panthers' best penalty killers out there. He's able to find those passing lanes. He's able to break up those passes. And he's able to even turn things into like a two-on-one the other way on the penalty kill. He had a few very good chances on opening night with Barkov where he set him up with a very good no-look pass from behind the net after forcing a turnover there. So you you have a kid doing that on his NHL debut. No no prior NHL games before. He even missed a part of the preseason with an injury. And I mean I don't know if it's the same injury he's dealing with now, but you have a kid who even he didn't even play the entire preseason. And a lot of times people were saying, Oh, we should start the season in Charlotte because he didn't have that much time during the preseason to learn the NHL game. Comes out there opening night, looks like he's been there for twenty years.
2: That's just, that's incredible. And we'll definitely watch as, as his season continues. Florida's next opponent, the Boston Bruins, the three and one to start the year, but you know, it's a different time in the NHL. Now the Panthers might be the better team. Obviously we're seeing out of the game. And this is crazy because you look back and how many years Florida was just a bad team. I mean, look at Islanders perspective. It was that way as well. What do you think about the Florida Panthers facing the Bruins? You think it's going to end up on the right side of the ledger for them?
3: That's going to be a tough game for them. I mean, they've they've usually had problems with Boston lately. I think it's been an even series between them. But um, I think that Florida has a good team. They can beat whoever they get put in front of them. But obviously, I don't think you can go eighty two zero and zero. And I mean, if you look at Boston's schedule, they've also beaten some pretty good teams. They ended the Flyers undefeated streak. They beat they beat a couple other teams that were undefeated. Uh, they beat San Jose. And they beat Buffalo to end their undefeated streak. They lost to Philadelphia. That's my bad. How but,
2: crazy? How crazy is that? You just said undefeated teams. You're talking about San Jose and Buffalo in 2021, 22.
3: Yeah, yeah. Just casually saying undefeated San Jose and Buffalo all uh, through the first week of the <laughs> season. Uh, that that's how crazy the first week of hockey is. But I mean, they're on a streak of beating undefeated teams. So I mean, you have to see. But you, you got a re- legit team in the Panthers. We'll have to see if Anton Lindell's ready on Wednesday. If he is, then that's a pretty deep lineup. If not, I mean, Louis Doreen is still a very good defensive player. Offensively, I still have questions. Uh, But he is a very good fourth liner to sub in there with Thornton as of right now until Noel Achari gets back, which we haven't even talked about the fact that Noel Achari's injured. We're talking about center depth here. And we're talking about it like Noel Achari is no one and there's nobody injured. So, like, they're doing this without their usual fourth line center. So, with with that, I mean, it's kind of crazy. you got pretty much center number five on the depth chart now, or six even, with Eetu Lewostarinen out there. He's still a very quality player, especially on the penalty kill. So, you get that. I mean... You're in business. Yeah, they're in business.
2: Yeah, so one of the deepest teams in the NHL, the Florida Panthers. Colby, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Definitely appreciate it. All right, thank you.
3: The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Pod.
1: Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Uh, You can run and grow your business anywhere.